Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me is my overly enthusiastic sidekick, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. <laughs> that might have been sarcastic. Well, that's okay. We do sarcasm here. <laughs> so, anyway, hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving and uh, have been cultivating thankfulness since you've listened to us last time. Um, that was a fun episode to do. Uh, I don't know how I'm doing on it. How about you, Matthew? Trying. <laughs> Trying. But, you know... Church was helpful this morning. It was. Right? Yes. I got caught up in singing, and it was a joyful, happy experience, and, and the word was preached. So uh, that that did help. So turns out we were right. <laughs> At least we're about something. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode isn't really about anything so pleasant as being thankful. True. Um, in fact, uh, if we were to be like our friend Lee Jones and have a Festivus episode, uh, this might be our Festivus episode. If you're unaware of Festivus, it was a holiday invented on Seinfeld. Um, the, unfortunately, the episode is not called Festivus. So it took me a long time to figure out which episode it was, but you could be smarter than me and just Google Festivus episode on Seinfeld, and you would probably find it a lot quicker than I did. Um, it's hilarious. It's the, I've not watched a lot of Seinfeld, but that one's really funny. So it's basically a holiday that replaces Christmas, and one of the things that they do on Festivus is having an airing of grievances. And so today we're going to air our grievances with all due deference to our friend Lee, who is probably working on Festivus episodes as we speak. Today uh, we want to talk about book banning, okay? I've been thinking about this for a while and having this episode because uh, every year, I think it's the American Library Association, has a banned books week Al Mohler talks about it on a show on the briefing, and he always likes to make the point that as far as the government goes, there are no banned books. Now, that's not quite accurate, because the government does ban books that have top-secret or classified information in them, and there are probably some others. But for the most part, our federal government is not involved in banning books. So the books that are banned, and I say them in banned and scare quotes, are usually books in public libraries, uh, books in especially in public school libraries, at least as far as the government goes. Now, there are books that are banned by Amazon. I mean, if you wrote a book that denied the existence or the reality of the Holocaust, I am certain <laughs> that Amazon would ban that book. And for me, I think it's a, a different thing for a company to ban a certain books than it is for the government. Because the reality is, even though um, Amazon sells 75% of all books published, 
Um, the reality is there are other places that you can buy books than Amazon. Though they are, they are large, they are not a monopoly. Um, so if they ban a book, you can find it elsewhere. Um, for example, one of the books Amazon, Amazon has banned is called When Harry Became Sally. It's a book about transgenderism from a Christian perspective. Amazon banned that book because they have a rule that they uh, will not sell any books that call transgenderism a mental illness. However, the author of the book insists, and I haven't read it myself, but the author insists that he never said any such thing in the book. Uh, But nonetheless, it's banned. And it's funny to me that uh, the American Library Association and these other groups that we'll be talking about today would probably have no problem with Amazon banning that book or a book about the Holocaust, or denying the Holocaust, because they come up from a particular view. Uh, Not that I'm for denying the Holocaust. (laughs) I don't want to, don't hear me saying that. I do not deny the Holocaust. I was more referring to when Harry became Sally. They don't have a problem with banning those books, and even if the government banned it, they wouldn't have a problem. If a public school banned that book, a public school library banned that book, they would be fine with it. If a public library banned that book, they would be fine with it. And the reason is, is because the reality is we're talking about different worldviews, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, what we're going to be, the primary thing we're going to be looking at is from a group called PEN. I don't know what that stands for. I just don't remember it off the top of my head. And it is their work to investigate these banned books, and especially in public school libraries. That seems to be their focus. And they just came out this year with a report. It's rather lengthy. They came out with a report about banned or challenged books. Um, again, this is really having to do with public school, um, public school libraries specifically. And most of the books that are challenged, you can guess, are uh, books that promote the LGBTQ lifestyle, books about now they don't say this in their report, but the books the reason people have a problem with them are because they're promoting critical race theory. But the way Penn describes it, it's that they're opposed to books that have have anything to do with minorities. When the reality is and and they'll say uh, books that have to do with the history of the history of racism. We know that it's because it's critical race theory that is the problem behind these. And that's not to say some of the books that are being talked about shouldn't be banned. Um, So that's, for example, uh, Matthew and I have been to church long enough uh, that we've had plenty of Christians that would be happy to ban Harry Potter from every library in the United States and every bookseller in the United States because they think it's of the devil. We're not saying that we're for every... (laughs) We're okay with all of this. There are some silly and bad reasons to ban books, but uh, we'll get more in-depth with that. So most of the books have to do... uh, Almost half of them have to do... That are challenged have to do with uh, the LGBTQ issues... 
Um, and then the others usually end up having to do something with critical race theory. So uh, those are the book, generally the books that are suggested for ban. But then the other thing they bring up in their report that is interesting is that they talk about that there are groups that are that are pushing these bans. Now they name some of the groups in their report and. I'll do my best to remember to share this on our Facebook site so that you can read the report yourself. And and their point in bringing up these groups is that much of many of the books that are being banned don't seem to be coming from grassroots parents who are upset by things that are in the public schools, um, either in the curriculum or the libraries. It seems to be these groups. Now, I don't think that they're just saying that um, there's there's political action groups behind these bans automatically makes it irrelevant. At, and that seems to be what the people the, that write the report are saying, that they're not really relevant because it's not really parents complaining, it's these groups. But they do make a point that sometimes these groups are just sending out snippets of books or just the title of books, and the people that are working to get the books banned are only following the talking points of these groups rather than actually looking at the books themselves and don't really know what the content is in the books. I think it's a pretty bad idea if you're a parent and you're wanting to get a book banned from your public public school library that you've never read the book at all. I, I don't think that's good. Uh, that really it seems um, dishonest if you've never read the book yourself. And, the, and they include in this report uh, the American Li- a link to the American Library Association on how to deal with challenged books. And one of the things the American Library Association says is make sure to read all the material yourself. Um, and there's the, the American Library Association act, actually has some good recommendations for challenge books and some things that we ought to consider, okay? Um, so there's a link in the article that I'll uh, share on Facebook when this episode is available. So that's the background. Books are being banned from public school libraries and the curriculum. Uh, mostly they're LGBTQ-friendly books and some books that are promoting what's sometimes called critical race theory their concern is that there are there are groups and not grassroots or parent-led groups that are challenging these books and they see these as problems okay so that that's the background for this we'll discuss two big quotes that i think really reveal the heart of the problem or the heart of the disagreement uh, that Matthew and I and uh, no doubt other Christians would have with what this report says. So I'm going to just read the two paragraphs and then we'll talk about some issues. Altogether, this report paints a deeply concerning picture for access to literature and diverse literature in particular. In schools in the coming school year, Book banning and educational gag orders are two fronts in an all-out war on education, 
and open discussion and debate of ideas in America. Students have First Amendment rights to access information and ideas in schools, and these bans and legislative shifts pose clear threats to those rights. The climate is also increasingly undermining the professional discretion of educators and librarians when it comes to matters of public education and disrupting the potential for effective relationships between parents, teachers, and administrators that can actually serve to advance student learning and civic engagement. It's the first quote, and the second one says, uh, and the second one is under the heading talking about parental rights. While parents and guardians ought to be partners with educators in their children's education and need channels for communicating with school administrators, teachers, and librarians, particularly concerning the education of their own children, public schools are, by design, supposed to rely on the expertise, ethics, and discretion of educational professionals to make decisions. In too many places, today's political rhetoric of parents' rights is being weaponized to undermine, intimidate, and chill the practices of these professionals, with potentially profound impacts on how students learn and access ideas and information in schools. To me, these two quotes were the epitome of what's wrong with this report. Um, so, now, I need to say this at the top. I, I'm opposed to censorship. I don't believe the government ought to be participating in bans of books, music, movies, art in general. I, I don't think the government ought to be involved in that. I think this is I think what we're talking about here with these book bans is a different case. I think this is parental involvement and parental rights is very important. And we'll get to more in detail in that in a minute. But I just want to preface this by, I don't believe in censorship. I don't think it's a good, positive thing. But there's some prob- there's problems with what this article says. One thing is that we no longer have a shared morality as a nation. This is, where, this is I think, where the conflict is coming from. And in addition to that, it's not just that we don't have a shared morality, but we don't listen to each other and respect the point of view of other persons. What I see happening is what what's happening with this debate, especially when it concerns LGBT issues, that and that's going to be our main focus, not the critical race things and stuff like that. That's another topic for another day. The folks that are writing this report, putting this report out, believe that being gay is not just another lifestyle that one can live. Some people are heterosexual, some people are gay, some people are lesbian, some people are transgender. There's nothing wrong with all of that. Diversity is a good, positive thing. Diversity in in sexuality is a good, positive thing. So, to them, immorality is when you say that that's wrong. And so, their morality says you celebrate this diversity. To not celebrate this diversity is wrong. While Matthew and I, and Christians in general, we believe that being gay and lesbian is an issue of right and wrong. It's about, that is the moral issue. And so, 
because we view it as immoral or sinful to be involved in uh, that kind of lifestyle, doesn't mean we have to be mean and nasty to people who are in that lifestyle. We don't want it promoted to our children. And so when we see books that are promoting these things to our children, we we don't want it promoted, okay? In the public school, there's got to be, we've got to be able to somehow partner partner with schools. And, and the funny thing is, I think one of the thing, one of the quotes says, while parents and guardians ought to be partners with educators, it makes it sound like the educators are the ones who are in charge and the parents are just just the partners. When I think the reality, what, what we believe is the parents are the ones, it's the, it's the education establishment that ought to partner with parents, not parents partner with them. Because the parents are the ones who are caring for their children and wanting their children to be educated. And so the education is first and foremost the parents' responsibility. And so the parents ought to be involved. And it, if a school is promoting something that the parents view as immoral, it makes sense that the parents would be involved in stopping the promotion of immoral behavior. I mean, if the school is promoting drug abuse or <laughs> using marijuana or alcohol abuse, we'd all be concerned. We don't just we don't look at that as a one way of living life. Although <laughs> drug abuse is becoming increasingly just an alternative lifestyle, we we view these things as, as right or wrong, and that that's how Christians view this issue. One of the articles, that other article. Do you have anything to say about that before I go on to this? I think that is that's the crux. That's the central point. Is that do parents aid educators or do educators aid parents and that's where the divide comes and that ultimately that's where the worldviews demonstrate themselves the other piece just to add is it's not as if most of these books are not it's not a question of that it's simply promoting an lgbt lifestyle it's not that it's graphic representations that are fundamentally inappropriate specifically for the age group in which they're seeking to push them. While Jeremy and I would, we would argue that any representation of LGBT is wrong. Ultimately, what to me, what makes this report even more not good <laughs> is the argument is that the, this idea of quote-unquote banning books, which we will have that conversation later about books if they're actually being banned, <laughs> is it's graphic content that would cause some adults, most adults, it would like be too graphic for them. And the idea is that if a teacher who fundamentally comes from a worldview that because they're seeking to, as Jeremy explained, express what they're seeking to accomplish, use any means necessary to make that happen and push their morality, things that would make adults uneasy, they're now giving to six-year-olds. And that's fundamentally, but ultimately, the philosophical question is, 
whose children are they? Right. One of the other articles that Matthew and I read in preparation for this podcast talked about a library in Michigan uh, that was the levy did not pass for its funding for the next 10 years, which means they're losing 85% of their funding for the next 10 years. And not, and not, obviously the library can't operate <laughs> with, with only 15% of its budget. Although if it can, then maybe we need to <laughs> do some rethinking here. But anyway, I'm kind of like uh, Ron Swanson going, slash it, slash it. <laughs> Anyways, that's another story for another day. But this library, the people in this community, a predominantly Christian community, voted against the levy because they refused to ban certain books that were promoting LGBTQ ideas, issues, however you want to say it. And and so this book wouldn't, or this library wouldn't ban it, so the people voted against it voted down the levy, and now the library is likely going to close. And it's because the library is promoting something with tax fund, with the ta- the taxpayers are funding something that is opposed to their morality and what they believe in. And you, you can say, well, they're wrong, fine, but we have a right not to promote something that goes against our morality. LGBT people don't have to promote our podcast. They don't have to listen to it, don't have to share it, don't have to send us money to contribute to our funds. Not that we have any, but just in case they would, they don't have to support us. That's their choice. That's fine. I have no animosity or anger about that. But they're talking in this article, they talk about the disastrous effect that it's going to cause for this library not to be there. And no doubt it is a problem. People go to the library for the computers in order to apply for jobs, and and, and there's a lot, and, and the learning itself is important, even if they aren't applying for jobs. But the library chose, rather than not promoting this book, to stick with it, and they took the chance that they wouldn't, that they would lose their funding or lose their support by doing so. They they made their choice, what they thought was the right choice. And the people thought, who funded it thought otherwise, and now it's going to close down. And so what we see here is that we don't have a shared morality. So part of the reason this is happening, these, these book bans in public schools, is we don't have that shared sense of morality anymore. When the United States had a more common morality, these issues wouldn't have even came up. Um, and, you know, it's it's as if people expect Christians to just get on board uh, with the sexual revolution that's happening. And sorry, we're, we are sticks in the mud. Right. We are not going to get on board uh, that campaign and we're not going to we're not going we don't want it promoted to our children we don't want it promoted in our community and we're not going to support those institutions and places that promote these things this is why it happens and it's always interesting to me you know they they talk about diversity in this in these two quotes and this is a little off topic but since it's obvious we're going to be doing two episodes here <laughs> It's funny to me that they're talking about diversity, but it's not 
diversity of opinion because it's not like they're okay with what we're saying. Right. They would oppose what we're saying about the LGBTQ beliefs and ideas that are being promoted. They don't want that kind of diversity. <laughs> right. So since we're going to do two episodes, if we, if you, t- if you expand this just a little bit in your view, so you can look at this, trying to understand this, that we don't have a sheer morality, you can look at Congress and the way Congress approaches the Hyde Amendment, which bans federal funding for abortion. Another example that just came up lately that is kind of interesting. So as we record this, they're playing the World Cup in Qatar. Well, Qatar is a Muslim emirate state. Which means it bans all gay marriage. It it's punishable by death. Well, there are there are soccer players and reporters who are bluntly losing their minds because the government of Qatar won't let them promote wear homosexual promotion on their arm sleeves. So, like the soccer captains wear these armbands that say they're the captain and they want to wear these bands that say one love and fifa the organization has basically told them if you wear it you will be fine and they can't they don't know what to do there was a reporter from the united states who was going to cover it and he was wearing this shirt that said one love and the qataris wouldn't let him in the stadium and he's on twitter just decrying how horrible it is which goes to both points we talked about one the sharing morality and two the diversity of opinion in their minds, only flows in one direction. Yeah. It never enters their mind that somebody thinks differently. The one other piece to bring it back to the book ban part that I want to add is, is this is not a Christian versus non-Christian. You have many traditional thinking non-Christians who are still opposed to allowing these books to be around because right. while they don't have a Christian morality, they have a Christian-influenced morality, I guess is the way to say it. Well, even even I've seen uh, on social media that there was, there was a group of Muslims at a like parents' conference right. trying to get these kind of books banned, too. Yes. So it's not... It is religiously motivated for some people. I would say the majority are religiously motivated. And here, okay, let's not... One thing I think we need to say. We are promoting our view of morality. But one of the things that keeps coming up in this report is neutrality. These guys are not neutral. Right. They're trying to promote a view. That is that sexual diversity is a good thing. In our country, they are free to promote that idea. But that doesn't mean everybody's... everybody. So they're free to promote that idea. They're free to work in our culture and in government to make our culture more friendly to their view. But at the same time, we're allowed to work to keep that from happening as well. And part of this is what's happening here with these book bans is, is a clash of worldviews a clash of morality, and we don't share that one morality anymore. Um, And so this is how these things happen. It leads to deeper questions about how can people with different worldviews, with different ideas of morality, live with one another in peace? We don't have, (laughs) we're not going to answer that question today, 
But this is one of the things that we have to deal with. How do we live at peace with this? How do we deal with that? Some say, well, the majority rules, right? If the majority doesn't want these books in the library, then the majority rules. And the, those who don't uh, will have to, will have to cert- seek elsewhere. So I think we beat the first one to death. Right. But I, <laughs> but I do think it's important because it, this isn't going to go away. And whether, and whether it's book bans or the other examples, and we can keep finding examples, we have to figure out how, as Christians, how we walk the line between as much as within you live peaceably among all men, while at the same time, that what that doesn't mean is, well, I just get to let them push whatever they want, and it's okay, because I still have a responsibility to uphold a Christian ethic, a Christian morality. And you have a responsibility to our children. Right. And so... we'll go into what we're going to talk about next Right, week. which is why it's important for us to think this through and why we can't just put our head in the sands and think it's just going to move on and we don't we don't want to stir we don't want to stir up anything book bans like what's happening may not be the answer right and i think i'm, I'm not necessarily suggesting that that's the answer right but neither is, in my view neither is promoting lgbt lifestyles to children and so how are we going to deal with that? If you don't like book bannings, okay, then then what? how are we going to deal with it? But there's no putting forward of that. And it, this this report is one-sided and, and just says, this is wrong to do this, diversity is good, and these people are destroying education and children, and it's war against children and education. It's all an exaggeration. And <laughs> Anyway, right. let's finish so, up and... So, we'll talk more next week. Right, so next week we'll talk more and think, we'll think about next week specifically, we'll talk more about how the ways that this report frames parent and children and we'll talk about a few other things. But as we finish this week, what we want to leave you with is the, the importance of knowing your morality, which it requires you to spend time in the Word and then knowing how to defend it in a, in a way that is loving yet firm, and doesn't give in to the whims of the culture. So stand for what Jesus has called us to stand. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.